Welcome back to the Fresh Ice Hockey Podcast. Brian Matusi here with Andy Matusi. Uh, we have a great show for you guys today. We have our first podcast guest on. Andrew, I'm going to toss it over to you right away so we can get him introduced. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. A couple weeks ago, uh, when I started our social media for the show, I was just scrolling through pages to follow, kind of get our name out there, and I stumbled across a gentleman by the name of Ben Polacco, who looks like he's got a pretty solid hockey background. Uh, he's currently, he runs his own strength and condi- conditioning business. Uh, he's quite successful with that. And if you look at him, you'd see why, because the guy's cut like a Greek god, and he's got some of the best hair you'll ever see. Uh, he found the hair that we lost. Yeah, he, he's, he's got the hair that we don't. Um, with that being said, though, he played for Ohio University Bobcats, and he also played for the Cleveland Junior Lumberjacks. Uh, it is my privilege to introduce and welcome to the show, Ben Polacco. Welcome to the show, man. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. It's an uh, honor to be guest number one. It, we're honored to have you, man. Uh, we're pretty pumped up for this. Uh, it's nice that we're going to get to talk somebody or hockey with somebody else that knows as much about it as we do. So we don't sound like nerds to everybody. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm very much looking forward to this. Um, with that being said, I don't want to butcher your resume. So I'll let you kind of describe what you've done getting to this point. Yeah. So, you know, at this point um, I'm 35, I've got kind of just a varied background. Like I started playing uh, pretty late. Like I got into hockey because I grew up in Cleveland um, for some of the people my age and older, they'll remember the IHL. And uh, I grew up watching the Cleveland Lumberjacks. Um, I just told Andy before we hit record, I, I watched uh, Marty St. Louis when he was in Cleveland. Uh, so that was pretty cool. A lot of other guys that, that kind of made it. Um, and started playing ice hockey around 12, 13, you know, which is obviously like late for, for a lot of guys that uh, end up playing college. So I just fell in love watching the game, playing street hockey here, playing ball hockey in the tennis courts, ripping up the tennis courts, getting yelled at, doing all that stuff. And then um, played high school in in Cleveland, um, played four years here and didn't know anything about junior hockey. Like, you know, I was like most people, like a lot of people that don't know hockey. When I heard junior hockey the first time, I was like, what, like little kids? Like what? Yeah. Um, so it really wasn't until I was uh, like a senior in high school that, um, we had the junior team here at the time, the junior lumberjacks and their coach reached out and said, Hey, I heard about you through the goalie I was scouting. Um, you know, would love to have you try out. So at that time, man, I was, I diehard hockey guy playing in high school, obviously, but I was also in a metal band and did other things. So it was kind of like, it wasn't like a goal of mine necessarily. Right. It was more just kind of like, I was like, yeah, shit, keep playing hockey. Cool. Like I'll, I'll yeah. do another, I'll do another year. Yeah. So, um, ended up trying out. I was a, I was a smaller dude at the time. And that's, you know, eventually I'll, I'll kind of mention how I got into the fitness stuff, but I was probably five, eight, one fifty, one forty five when I graduated high school. Um, so I was not a, you know, I was not a heavy four checker. We'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, I relied on skating and, and vision and other things. And when I went to the junior camp, um, I just busted ass and, I threw bodies and I did everything I could. And the coach told me, he's like, Hey man, we, we like your game, but you got to put on some muscle. Like you're going to get right. eaten. You're going to eat alive at this level. So, um, I got in the gym, went to Bally fit, dating myself again, went to Bally fitness, uh, with my buddy that was on the team. We started lifting and you know, when you're like 18 years old and you start lifting, you blow up it's right. easy. Right. So it's like, I was like, Oh shit. Like 
I like this. Like <laughs> things are, <laughs> things are happening. Like I'm getting stronger on the ice. I'm getting faster. And then all of a sudden it went from like, you know, just kind of cool. I'll play hockey another year to like, I felt like I could really do something. Yeah. So I, I grinded for a couple of years, played juniors, um, two years for that team. Uh, we went to nationals the one year, first time our program ever went to nationals. So that was fun. And, um, you know, went to, had a couple different coaches come out and watch me play. I was like, shit, maybe I can play college. And, um, I almost, almost went to Plymouth state in New Hampshire, um, toward there really thought about it. They're a D three school, uh, mm -hmm. NCAA D three ended up playing, um, at Ohio university and, um, and then, yeah, played there, played men's league after I graduated. Now I coach high school. This is my 10th year coaching high school. So I've kind of just kind of done a lot. Nice. Yeah, that's a hell of a background. I was going to say, it's, it's quite a story. Now, I do have a question for you, and uh, you say you coach hockey, and, I mean, you know the sport very well, and you've definitely seen the evolution of it over the course of your life. The game has moved from a extremely physical game from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and I'm, I'm not saying you were alive in the 70s, but the game's evolved from such a physical game to now it's such a high – it's such a skill game, such a speed game. How do you – how do you teach that to young players who are coming into their own? Because it's so different from how our, our, our parents and stuff would have grown up with hockey. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, man. Cause like, I, I don't feel old, you know, it's like, but <laughs> I feel like I was just in high school and learning the game and stuff, but like this being my 10th year coaching now, I'm like talking to my assistant coaches and like, man, it's a different, it's truly a different generation. These kids that are coming up right now, they, they didn't grow up like us watching the game at a, at a time when it was, you know, more, more old school, if you will, a bruiser um, game, bruiser game, like dudes flying full speed. Like you got that fourth line that goes out and just murders um, scraps all the time. Like it's a different game and it's, it's still amazing, right? It's, it's amazing in a different way, but um, it's interesting. It's like trying to, like light a fire under kids now because you still need aggression. You still need that intensity in hockey, especially at this level, because like the talent in high school, especially in the Cleveland, Ohio area is not, it's not high end by any means, right? It's not, right. it's not Minnesota. It's not New York. It's, it's below that. So like these kids try to do all the shit that they see on YouTube and stuff. Like we, you know, I'm watching my kids warm up before practice. I'm up in the office they're all out there with 10 minutes of free time, which is, I mean, that's glorious free ice time. Yeah. They're out there trying to do the Michigan. Yeah. I was going to say uh, they're all watching minutes. Pavel Barber on YouTube. Yeah. I'm like, fuck oh guys, you should be out there. Like all these guys tell me like, Oh, I want to work on my shot. I want to work on my stick hand. I'm like, great. Use the time before practice. And they're all out there trying to do the Michigan. So it's like, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's a different trying to get them to like acclimate a little more to like re what I would consider real hockey. Right. right. It's kind of like they're just, yeah, they're just kind of, different mold now i i gotta add something to that aside from the michigan which i'm after this season i'm fucking overseeing <laughs> all the time but in addition to that you know and this is i feel like this is a general rule of thumb with any sport really is stop trying to mimic everything you see on youtube listen to your coaches that's where you're gonna learn don't go watch these guys on youtube who are out there just to make a name for themselves so I just want to throw that. Well, out and there. a good part of that too is you see the guys on YouTube doing it, but there's a reason. There's two things to that. First of all, when you see the pros try these moves, 
even they can't pull it off every time. So to think as a teenager, you're going to be able to pull it off every time yeah. in a game situation is a little silly. But And this is no disrespect to the guys on YouTube, but there's a reason they're on YouTube and not in the show. Like Pavel Barber has a glorious set of hands. He makes everything with dangling look so easy. But there's a reason he's not in the show. I mean, it's it's a little mm-hmm. different, and it's hard to tell a teenager, "Hey, don't chase your dream" or something like that. But I mean, as a coach, I'm sure you want to set realistic expectations for your players too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, especially at the level I'm coaching, like you want to ba- you obviously want to balance the fun nature, right? Because like it's it's supposed to be fun. Honestly, like the kids that I'm coaching are not going to the NHL for sure. They're at best going to play high level club hockey, maybe, maybe, maybe D three, like the best kid on my team every year or something or every couple of years. So, you know, we try to keep it fun, but like, you also want to like try and teach them some of the things that maybe they're just not seeing. Cause they all, they all consume hockey on like a modern social media snippet base. It's right. amazing. Like when I ask my kids like, Hey, did you guys see the game last night? It's like crickets. Right. Because the way they consume hockey is they flip open their phones and they scroll Instagram. And what do you see on Instagram? You see a 10 second clip. You see a 50 second clip of Quentin Byfield going through six jackets. What a goal. Ridiculous. I know. So it's like, that's what they see, which is cool. Right. Like, that's fucking sweet. But like, at the end of the day, it's like, well, you didn't see like anything with the systems. You didn't see like, they're not seeing a whole hockey game. Yeah. They didn't see how that play broke out of LA's defensive zone. Yeah. Yeah. That that I don't want to get off topic here. But that that goal was, <laughs> that was insane, under, and of course it was against Columbus. Yeah, I, I know that's yeah. So, so, but I I agree with what you're saying, and I mean as a coach too. I mean you want to see your players do well beyond high school. Obviously, I mean I don't want anyone to think him sitting here saying, "Well, these guys aren't going to the NHL." He's not dogging on them. He's just being realistic. You know mm-hmm. the talent base you're working with, and that's not to say that things couldn't change for them in the future, you know, and maybe they mm-hmm. go to a D three school and they absolutely break out. You never know. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's yeah. also realistic to set an expectation that anybody who's playing a sport will probably not be a professional athlete in that sport. That's correct. It's yeah. not a, it's, it's not it's, a, it's, rude it's thing not that the say. players suck. It's that these leagues are extremely talented, best leagues in the world and not everybody can be in the best league in the world. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, especially you go to just go to a AHL game. Not, we're not even going to say it. Just go to an AHL game. Hell, go to an ECHL game. Go to an Orlando Solar Bears game. Those guys make it look like they could play that game with their eyes closed. Oh, yeah. it, it, it's insane. It's second nature to them. It's unreal. And I mean... And even those guys aren't in the NHL. I was gonna say those are that's that's a like the AHL, ECHL. Those are technically professional hockey leagues. There's still a valley between them and the NHL. Absolutely, and you can see when you go to minor league games, the guys that are going to make it to the NHL because they are a noticeable step to two steps above everybody else. Yeah. On the ice. Yep. Definitely. So, well, I, th- I think that's cool to kind of to hear your insight on the game, and I think it's really great that you stayed as a coach. I mean, a lot of the best coaches and analysts of hockey are guys that played, and whether regardless of level, I mean, you played college, um, you know, you, you have experience with the game, you know the game, so I think it's always – I think that always makes for a great coach and a great analyst. So those kids are lucky to have you. Thanks, man. Hope so. <laughs> they better appreciate you, damn it. They better, damn it. You know what I went through to get here, guys? <laughs> 
So, oh. all right. Speaking of hockey, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. And, Ben, we're going to have you stay on with us today and do this because we have a lot of things that uh, I would love to get your insight on as a guy who played awesome. and as a coach. This is going to be fun. Well, let uh, us also remember he is also a genuine fan of the National Hockey say, League. Yeah, <laughs> it helps having a guy that also just likes the sport in general, but somebody experienced and well-versed. His opinion yeah, it's like, holds more magnitude than mine. Kind of what we were just talking about, too, like growing up playing at each level, you kind of realize like which guys on your team like really do love and watch hockey and consume, where it's like, I think you would just assume that like if you play hockey and especially if you play at a higher level, you're just like you're in love with the game. You know, all the players, you know, all the teams, you know, the records. Right. But it's like it's not the case. Like a lot of athletes probably across any sport, like if maybe it's just their love to play and they do other shit outside of that. Right. So it's like it's it's I was always someone who followed the league, like really all 32 teams since I was since I was little. And it's like it's funny, like you'd be in the locker room sometimes and like not even everyone knows what's going on. Right. Oof. So it's, it's, it's just, it's interesting. Like they know what's going on in general or right? like everyone knows the top got players, but it's like, there's not as many like as fan. you think. Yeah. There's not as exactly. It's like being a f- true fan is like, Oh, it's just kind of a different, different thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And it might be annoying to everybody else who's not, but, uh, I don't care. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> perfect example of that is Mika Zibanejad on the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, he's an extremely talented hockey player. He's a top-line forward. I mean, he's, he's such a great hockey player, but it's, like, not even his main thing. He he loves DJing. That's his passion. He plays hockey professionally because he's excellent at it, but that's not even his favorite thing. Or to switch sports uh, in basketball, famously, uh, Nikola Jokic on the Denver Nuggets, arguably one of the be- arguably the best player in the league right now, um, was the MVP last season, and uh, – you know, horse racing's his passion. The Nuggets won the championship, and they're interviewing him after the game. This guy had just won a championship 30 minutes ago, and he's interviewing, talking about, oh, I got to go home to my horses. <laughs> like, he's so good at basketball, it's not difficult for him. And he wins a championship, and he's like, yeah, but I got to go home. So when can we get do the parade already so I can go home and watch my horses race? Yeah. Like, it's some of these guys are good, and they know they're good at it, and that's why they do it. But, yeah, it's – it's it's weird to see that for some of them, even though they're great at it, it's not their passion. Uh, but all right, all right, let's get into some hockey here, boys. Um, so we're gonna start with the we got a little bit of a Coyote segment here. Uh, I want to start with something a little bit somber. Uh, the Coyotes are have put uh, Adam Ruzichka on waivers for the purposes of terminating his contract. A video surfaced on his Instagram Live or his Instagram Story. It was of him appearing to do lines of cocaine, which even for a non-athlete, is a horrible idea. Um, I don't know, and it really hasn't come out because the Coyotes haven't really put out a statement um, if they offered him the chance to go into player assistance or not. But, I mean, the fact that a professional athlete just puts it out there that he's doing hard drugs like this, I mean, I mean, what the hell do you guys think about that? It's just, it's, it's just so out of nowhere, and it's such a mess. I don't I want to just say I don't think this is a somber note because nobody's sad about it. Um I, it's, I think it's sad that it's happening though. Yes, but that okay, that I can agree with. But I'm not sad about it. I mean, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah, you it know? was a poor decision. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, the guy might not have a problem. I do want to point out real quick that wasn't there in something a couple of years ago with Evgeny Kuznetsov? It ended up being fake, but 
they thought that he posted a picture on Instagram. They thought he might have been, but with this, I mean, he's got Ruzichka in his video. I don't know if you watched the video, but he's got lines chopped up right in front of him, and then he's smoking. Um, and the thing, and I don't know if he's. I think he's smoking a cigar in the video, but he's got a, a debit card and four lines of cocaine in front of him. I'm like, it's. You know, I don't think there's any mystery to what's going on there. Hey, he's just getting his sugar ready for his morning coffee. No yeah, worries. I guess so. He's he's a prepared man. Uh, ben, what are your thoughts? I I was gonna ask because I I'd, I'd heard about it, but I didn't like look into it. You said it was on his Instagram. It was live. on his it's own one thing if he's Instagram. like he posted it. Yes. See, that's nuts to me because anybody okay a lot of these guys in the league. I was just looking up to see his age too because I didn't know how old he was. You guys know how old he is. I can find that. Keep going. I'll look it up for you. But anyways, I was gonna. I was saying like, okay, these are a lot of young guys, right, in the league, professional athletes. You get mixed up with stuff, whatever. Like if someone's at a party in the background and some girl or some dude is is Instagramming live and you're in the background, like okay, still stupid. Don't be doing cocaine if you're a professional athlete. But you know, he he just got he got snipped because he's in the background. But on his Instagram live, like, excuse me. Yeah, that's the thing. He, <laughs> he recorded it and chose to post it. Uh, by the way, Adam Ruzichka will be 25 on May 11th. Okay, just curious. So, uh, yeah, I and honestly, he'll probably go back to Europe and just play over there, and that'll be what it is. A lot of those guys go home and play in Europe even after retiring from the league or if they don't make it here. But to seemingly have no option after making a silly decision like that. I don't know. It just it's really it's really weird. He seemed to have no shame in the video and obviously he had no shame cuz he recorded it himself and posted it, but it was just so weird to me. Yeah, I'm I'm just trying to understand the thought process. It doesn't make there. any sense. It's so weird. Yeah, that's there's, exactly. there's no precedent sent for this because nobody's ever been dumb enough to do something like this. But, I, I mean, clearly the guy's got a problem. But, again, we don't know if the Coyotes even offered him the option to go get treatment with the player assistance program or what. But, uh, regardless, just, it's just so strange. And for the record, uh, it was officially released that he was put on waivers initially. Uh, he did clear waivers, and they have terminated his contract. Okay. So he is gone. Okay. Um, so, I mean, like I said earlier, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. It's hard for me to come up with commentary on this because I don't understand what he was thinking. That was the (laughs) dumbest shit you could possibly do. You've made it to the top of the top. Well, you made it to the the Arizona Coyotes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's an NHL player, ex NHL player now, but you made it to the NHL and you're going to throw all of that away. I just, yeah. I, like I said, I'm sure he's got a problem. Or maybe he doesn't, and he was just partying and thought it would be cool. Who knows? Well, what's weird is in the video, he's by himself, too. He's not at a party in the video. It seems he's in an apartment, kind of house, whatever the hell he owns. Um, but he, he, he appears to be by himself in the video. He's just holding his cigar in his hand. And then the camera actually, the video starts with the camera pointed at the table with the cocaine or what appeared to be the cocaine on it. And then it, he flips the camera back to himself, and he's all just being silly. I'm like... What the hell's going on here? So, yeah, it's it's a mess, which only only really adds to the the endless problems the Coyotes have had the past couple of years and seemingly their whole existence, which does bring us to our Tough Look of the Week segment. Andrew, who's that brought to us by? Uh, tough Look is brought to you by Lighting's Property Management out of Kenosha, Wisconsin. For all your lawn care, landscaping, and snow removal needs, give Lighting's a call. 
They do it all. So the Coyotes are a tough look of the week, and it's not because of Adam Ruzicka doing cocaine, and it's not because they can't find a building, which is sad because those reasons alone are enough to be a tough look of the week. Um, but if you solely look at this from a hockey perspective, they've lost 11 games in a row. Uh, there's there, there's no bright spots for this team. They started out the season looking pretty good, looked like they'd be in the mix for a playoff spot, and it has gone off the rails these past 11 games. Now they're almost certainly not going to be in the playoffs unless something drastic changes. Uh, I mean, Ben, I don't know how much you look into the Coyotes, but what do you kind of think about how they've really fallen off a cliff here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been brutal. I Something I do every week when I kind of like look at the standings is I, I'm always interested in, in that last 10 column, oh, right? Too. Because, I like you, yeah, I love it because it's like, okay, yeah, you have your wins, losses, points, whatever, kind of points percentage I like because it's, you know, relative to how many games they've played. But I, I want to know, like kind of as a fan is like, how are they doing lately? Like, right. Like who are the teams that are hot? Who are the teams that are obviously not? And like when you scan down that column, like the only one with a goose egg is Arizona, right? Like even other teams that are sliding like Chicago, they at least have, they got at least one win. Like a lot of teams have two, three, four, like it's a pretty, right. It's a, it's a tightly battled league right now overall, but like, my God, they're, they're just, it's dumpster fire status. And yeah. And like I was going to say, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I'm thinking to myself, I was, I was listening to NHL radio and they had Jack McBain on uh, pretty, pretty good, like yeah. lower bottom six player for them. But they were talking about like, you know, like they were in a playoff spot or right outside. Like you guys think you're going to do it this year. And he's like, yeah, I'm feeling confident. Like we got, you know, the groups together, like things were not looking bad for the Yotes. They were on the, the up and up. Now they're back to where pretty much they have been well and they had a couple of good offseason acquisitions too they picked up sean dersey they picked up well what they thought would be a good pickup with matt dumba but it really hasn't panned out well for them or for him uh they just it, it seems like there's always something that holds them up you know they went into the season thinking they had a couple of good goalies with Karel vamelka and connor ingram and they are both pretty good goalies but vamelka has fallen off a cliff and ingram's actually been pretty good for them but it just it can never seem to gel into anything with any sort of success to it. Andrew, what do you think? I mean, like I mentioned earlier before we started recording, I, we, we could do the Coyotes as the tough look every episode if we wanted to. These The organization as a whole, the fans, they can't catch a break. I mean, I, I don't know. How do I try to figure out how I should word this? I don't know how we haven't seen any mass firings yet. Um, because I mean, I mean, if you fire someone, what, who do you put in their place? Who wants to go into that situation? No, I, I agree with you, but I mean, something's got to give at some point. That, yeah. That's my thing. Well, I seems like there's something that's got to give is going to be them moving out of Arizona. No, and I agree. I, I think that's happening very soon. Um, you know, we, we put a poll on, I don't remember if it was the last episode Two episodes no, was... ago. The poll last episode was about Russia. That's right. Yeah. So I put a poll out there seeing where uh, people think they should relocate them to. And I guess the general consensus goes in uh, Gary Bettman's favor to Salt Lake City. So I that's probably where they're going. And I, I think that's fold the organization. Get them out of there. there. There's no hope for them at this point. I agree. I, I just think it's we, how long we've been doing this dance. Right. And for as a fan. Resistance. Yeah, yeah, as a fan too, it's like I mean they're playing in a college arena, and like I just don't think that's a good look for the NHL. Oh, it's a terrible look. Ironically, the the only team that with worse attendance than the Winnipeg Jets is the Coyotes, who also used to be the Winnipeg Jets. 
it's, yeah, it's it's a mess over there. I, you know, what's funny is this is completely unrelated, but I saw um, there's prospects for you know people that want to see Cincinnati or Cleveland get an NHL team. As two guys that live in the Cleveland area, what would you guys think about Cleveland getting an NHL team and moving it into the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse? I'm going to let Ben go first on this just because I want to hear his take and then I'll get mine. Yeah, I'm, I'm licking my chops over here personally. <laughs> I mean, we we are a sports town. Like, say what you want about Cleveland. I mean, Indians, Browns, Caps, right? Like, we have solid-ass franchises that have been around forever. Um, hockey's always done really well, too. Like, the Monsters sell – and I want to hear Andy's take because he's a season ticket holder. But, like, the Monsters sell out. They do really well when we had the Barons here, when we had the Lumberjacks for that people come out in droves man like i think i'd love it i love it i'm right there with them um the the only there's two issues i see and then i'll get into the monsters um but there's two issues i see with it one they would probably have to move the monsters um because they're they're not playing three teams in that arena because you already got the Cavs and the monsters in there well real quick i'll let you finish but i do want to interject with this because i thought you might say that Remember in L.A. they have two basketball teams and uh, the Kings playing hockey in one building. I mean, the Clippers are building their own arena, but for years the Lakers, Clippers, and Kings have all played at, well, it's now Crypto.com Arena. It was Staples Center forever. Yeah, we're so going to use that. Yeah, let's use that dumpster fire of a city as a good example. Good job. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they make it work with one of the biggest sports markets in the country. Well, absolutely, yes. Um, I just don't see it working I mean, and you've, we've all been to downtown Cleveland, Brian. You have, too. You've been to Monsters games with me. I mean, it's a very tight-packed area That's down there, barn, too. That's a good barn, though. It's a nice area. It's a great barn, and that'll bring me to my thing with the Monsters is that I, if people want to argue the market's not there, come to a Cleveland Monsters game. This is AHL hockey, and they're selling out the arena. Multiple games this year, we've seen attendance hit 16,000. That's insane for minor league hockey. I mean, and I've brought – I mean, my wife and I go to almost every game. Um, Brian, I've brought you to a couple. I brought a couple friends, and everybody says the same thing. It's like going to an NHL game in there. And yeah, a lot of that does – it helps that they're, one, now a good team this year. Um, but, I mean, even in years past, they've been setting – they've been leading the AHL in attendance every year. Uh, but it's the barn they play in. It's a great environment. Uh, the owner puts in a ton of money to that barn. And that team, because he also owns the Cavaliers. I was going to say it helps owning an NBA franchise. That does probably make funding a lot easier. But still, you got again, you have a passionate owner, um, and part of that comes down to what he wanted to have an NHL team there. But again, they have the space for it. And I know, like I said, this was kind of off topic. I just, since you guys are both living in that area, I wanted to know what you guys thought about it. But I think it would be cool. And I don't like the argument that uh, it's too close to Columbus because you look at other markets. First of all, there's two New York teams. Um, there is LA and Anaheim who I don't know the exact geography, but I believe they're within 40 minutes of each other. Um, and even if it's a little more than that, they're within, you know, a couple hours. So they're close to each other. So there are multiple markets that aren't super duper far from each other that, like I said, I just don't like the argument that, that it's too close. Cause it's not And Ohio's a great sports state. I agree. Um, my only thing with it being too close to Columbus is that you're going to lose. Columbus is going to lose fans. Yeah. Um, and bear in mind, the Monsters are the AHL affiliate of Columbus. So where do you go 
with your affiliate from that oh, point. And we've had discussions about uh, wanting, you know, to get an NHL team in Milwaukee. But again, it's like the Admirals are Nashville's minor league affiliate. So now, do you make the, you know, do you wait till the Admirals deal expires with Nashville? What do you do for them for a minor league team and so on? Not that there's not options out there. I mean, it's not like it's an impossible barrier, but there are there are a lot of logistical problems to doing it. Uh, but as I started with, I just wanted to see what you guys thought because I figured we got two Cleveland guys. We can't not speak on it. Smart man. We want to take this opportunity to mention our friends over at Buckapuck for ALS. Buckapuck for ALS is a not-for-profit organization founded by Toronto youth hockey players and moms who lost their coach to ALS in 2022. They've recently partnered with ALS Canada, and their goal is to raise $1 million towards a cure for ALS, or as it's often referred to, Lou Gehrig's disease. So how does it work? For every buck you raise, you shoot a puck. Whether it's at the rink, in the driveway, or on the lake, shoot your pucks, record it, and tag Buck a Puck for ALS. Participants who raise the most money will win amazing prizes, such as a coaching session with Toronto Maple Leafs assistant coach Dean Chinaweth, Toronto Marley's head coach, John Gruden, Maple Leafs tickets, signed NHL jerseys, iPhones, Xboxes, and more. So score big in your community and visit www.buckapuckforals.com to register or donate today. And be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram at buckapuckforals. Okay, so now I want to move on to a team. Instead of a team that can't win, we're going to move on to a team that can't lose. Uh, We're going to talk about the New York Rangers, who are in the midst of a 10-game win streak. Uh, It seems like everything is going their way. They're getting all the saves they need. They're scoring when they need to. Uh, Igor Shosturkin has really returned to form for them. This is the Igor that we all kind of expected to see. Uh, coming into this season, uh, he had a really rough start, and thankfully for New York, Jonathan Quick was there to kind of keep the ship steady. But I just wanted to read this off for you guys. Uh, Igor Shosturkin in the month of February has played six games, a 1.84 goals against average, and a save percentage of 9.51. He has been unreal for them, and it's a huge part of the reason they're on this 10-game win streak. Uh, him and Jonathan Quick are really holding the fort down now. Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on the Rangers and just the fact that it seems like everything is going their way, Ben. Yeah, yeah, they've they've been fun to follow, and I've I've caught a couple a couple of the games recently. I watched uh, yesterday the Flyers. Um, they're playing my Jackets tonight at six o'clock, so I'll be watching them. But I I, I like the Rangers, man. They're uh they got a lot of Americans on the roster, so I, I got a little bit of a soft spot for them. You know, it's kind of like one of America's teams. Yeah. So I, I might be rooting for them a little bit when I get time. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I th- it is kind of cool they have a lot of Americans. I'm, I'm a big fan of Minnesota, and it seems like the entire team in Minnesota is made out of Swedes. Um, but it is kind of cool to have a team that's got a huge amount of Americans, and it makes it better that it's a New York team. What are you thinking, Andrew? I, I disagree with both of you guys. Fuck the Rangers. <laughs> oh, that's because someone likes the Bruins. Yeah, I was like, that's just strictly the Bruins fan in me. Uh, that from... Boston-New York rivalry. Yeah, well, I'm not from Boston, so no worries there. Um, but to Ben's point, I agree. Um, they are fun to watch. That That is an electric team on the ice. Um... Hang on, Andrew's choking here. Not literally, don't worry. Oh. He's okay. He just he forgot how to breathe Ooh. and how to speak. Yeah, swallow before you speak. Um, damn, I lost my train of thought now. 
Yeah, I oh, was going to say uh, that was tough to watch. No, they're they're fun <laughs> to watch. I uh, watched their uh, their stadium series game was really fun to oh, watch. That was awesome. Um, yeah. Matt Rempe, uh, he he's been, what's the word I'm looking for? He's been a nice little ball Terrifying. of energy for them. Yeah, I don't I, know if little's the right word. He's six foot he, eight. Yeah, I, I shouldn't say <laughs> little. He is he is a noticeably good presence for them. Did in the, you see his blast. fight against Nick Delorier? Oh, Absolutely. Oh my Great god, tip. that was those guys were throwing bombs at each other. Yeah, that was that was some good old fashioned hockey fighting right there. I knew and, it was great when on the broadcast, Ray Farrell was like, "Oh." I was like, and that's a guy that played in the league, and he's just telling it to you like somebody who's seeing a hockey fight for the first time. I thought that was amazing. Well, that was a guy that played in the league when the league was was that brutal, yeah. Exactly. yeah. So, so for uh, him to be taken aback by that is yeah, speaks that was, that was pretty fun as a hockey fan to watch a, a Hall of Famer like that just <laughs> be like, whoa. Yeah, and I like I said he's he's just having fun with it too. He's loving it. I don't know if you saw the inter the post game interview they had mm-hmm. uh, after the stadium series game. Dude was just loving. He was happy to be there. It wasn't one of those boring post game interviews where everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, forty times. He was on fire, just rattling shit off. So he's having a blast out. He there. scored his first goal last night, didn't he? I think no, he so, scored. Yeah. I thought he scored. I'm pretty he, sure was it was last night. It was, or last was night. It in his first game. I don't. It was I in. Know. He scored in his first game, was and then he scored. Game? Yeah, and then he scored last night as well. Well, good on him. Um, I real quick, I'll get into my thoughts on the Rangers. It's their streak here in a second, but I do want to point out since we're talking about Rempe, uh, the Rangers have a matchup. I I don't think it's it's not today because they're playing Columbus, but they have a matchup coming up with Toronto. I'd love to see if Rempe can get uh, Ryan Reeves to drop the mitts. Oh, I would love nothing that, more. That would be. I have a feeling Ryan Reeves is going to meet his match. It'll be like the scene in the first Goon movie when uh, Doug fights. Um, oh God, what's his name? Ross the Boss Ray. Yeah, Ross. When he fights Ross Ray at the end, I, 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 this kind of feels like one of those moments. I wonder if uh, if Reeves is finally going to meet his match because he really hasn't been as eager to drop the mitts this year, and I wonder if this is finally the end of the road for him here. I think well, a, a fight he, like this will go a long way. He only fights people that he thinks he can beat. He's he's uh, not a I'll fight anybody. He fights if he thinks he can win. Well, we'll talk about Ryan Reeves if that happens, but. Uh, as far as the Rangers go, I mean, this this really has kind of been a great year for them. Again, they had the rough start for Igor, but Jonathan Quick was Jonathan Quick was playing so well that Igor was able to, you know, kind of suffer a little and, and regain his confidence, and now he's back. Uh, and so they're playing well. They've had a great season from Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, they really haven't gotten what they wanted out of Capo Caco, which it is what it is. It seems like he's on the trade block. And then, of course, they lose Philip Heedle for the whole season, the rest of the season, which sucks. Um, but it hasn't seemed to slow them down. They lost Blake Wheeler too, um, but I didn't think that was a super huge loss. I think that was more of a downer for Blake Wheeler than it was for the team. Um, but yeah, they're 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 firing on all cylinders, and this team is really starting to look dangerous, like really dangerous. And the thing that they got too that if you you know again I keep saying listen to NHL radio because I do that all, all oh day my long. God, I do. I love but it's like to Boomer and Han. Yeah, I love Boomer and Han. I love Cooley. I met Cooley actually on vacation last summer. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, I was in Greece, um, actually, and uh, I was getting ready to fly out. Um, oh, shit. This was two summers ago. My, it was two summers ago because it was on the end of my honeymoon. And um, I guess we're getting into this story because this was awesome. He was. I was wearing a Quebec Nordiques shirt. Nice. And I was like waiting in line to get on the boat. And this dude just kind of like off to the side. He's like, hey, nice shirt. And I was like, oh. 
thanks, man. Like I wasn't really in a mood to talk. Right. So I just like kept standing there. And then he's like, you from, you from Quebec? And obviously was not making a connection. So I was like, all right, I'll talk to this guy for a second. And I was like, no, no, I just, you know, I got the shirt. And he's like, oh, cool. And then he's like, you listen to NHL network radio. I was like, yeah. He's like, oh yeah, me too. Me too. He was like, he was playing super coy. Right. And he's like, he's like, you know, that Steve Coolius guy. And it wasn't until he said that, that I looked at him and I was like, are you Steve Coolius? (laughs) And he's like, and he, and he got up and he walked over to like shake my hand. I was like, holy shit. And then I was all like starstruck. Like I just saw George Clooney or something. My wife's like, who is it? Who is this guy? (laughs) Um, But anyway, so on, on, on his show, yeah, we're always asking the guests, right? Like, what do the Rangers need? Like, at the deadline, right? Like, everyone wants to know, what do, what do these teams need at the deadline? And the talk is like, well, do they replace Blake Wheeler's kind of first-line right winger? Do they move Kako? But then there's also the the depth and aggression piece that, like, those playoff performers. But, like, when you look internally now, we were just talking about uh, Rempe, right? Like, okay, there's a guy. Right. Like doesn't doesn't have right to, yeah, it doesn't have to be like a veteran, right? Like here's a kid that comes in, can throw him, plays heavy, is you know, giraffe height. Like, and then you got Will Cooley, a different, you know, no relation. He's had a hell of a year, another young kid, 22 years old, and he's he throws bodies, plays left wing, I think third line. Like the Rangers got that too. Yeah. Well, and I think they may have learned their lesson from last year. I mean, they went to, into the deadline. They got Tarasenko. They got Kane. And it just turned into a mess chemistry-wise. They looked lost the rest of the season and got bounced in the first round. I mean, I almost, if I'm them, I'm like, okay, they're playing great, arguably better than last year now. Igor's really going. I mean, 950 is an outstanding save percentage. Don't mess with it now. I think that's how you how you dig yourself into a hole. I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, they they could come up to the trade deadline and not do a damn thing. They'll be just fine. Yeah, I think you're right on with that. Okay, let's move on here. Um, so we're kind of going back and forth. We went from the Coyotes who can't win to the Rangers who can't lose. Now we're going to go to the Boston Bruins who God damn it. <laughs> who for played their fifth overtime game out of their last six games played. Uh the Bruins are 3-3 and 4 since the All-Star break and yeah, overtime and the shootout have kind of seemed to be their their boogeyman here. Andrew, what the hell's going on with the Bruins? Are you asking me? I can't figure it out either. <laughs> well, they, they is... can't either. I'm hoping somebody can. They they just they're a mess. That again, last night they blow that lead in the in the last minute or last minute and a half to Vancouver and lose an OT after a horrible too many men on the ice penalty. That was a really that was just a bad change. I mean, everybody in the building knew it right away. And then uh, Besser tips yeah. in that shot from the point and wins them the game. I mean, Vancouver is obviously a really good team, but for a team who is usually as defensively sound as the Bruins are, I mean what's the fix here? Uh, I don't know, but I want to say shame on Brad Marchand for that god-awful line change. That was just – that shit doesn't even belong in the NHL, much less – That was bad. I, that was terrible. That's your captain. That's your one of your most elite players. Like, I get that why was... he jumped on the ice. If you watch the replay from right before the penalty happened, the Canucks were going two-on-one up the ice, and I think Marchand's thought is, I can't let – I can't – I think it was Besser that was going on the break tour, Patterson. I think it was Patterson. And he's like, I can't let him get in a clean look on the goalie. There's not a chance. So he just jumped on. But Jesus Christ was, yeah, that was tough to watch. And I'm not a fan of Boston, but just as a hockey fan, like, holy crap, that was terrible. It's it's gotten to a point where, yeah, I mean, everybody remembers the days of the big bad Bruins. 
lately they've just been the bad Bruins in yeah. the sense that they're I don't know what the hell they're just I mean, you can't say they're tanking because <laughs> they're not. They're just no. playing like shit. No, they're it's been... one of the best points wise. They they're either the best or like one of the top three teams in the league. Yeah, exactly. And I don't even watching the games. It's just you watch them time after time. They come out strong, and then by the third period, everything just falls apart. Um, and I will say, last night, I mean, if it wasn't for Jeremy Swayman, that they probably would have. It probably would have been a higher scoring game on Vancouver's end, but Jeremy Swayman lately has been playing exceptionally well. So I think that's a good thing for them, but they got to perform in front of him. I yeah. think I can't do everything. Yep. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I, I'm not a Bruins fan, but like, I guess I, I almost want to kick this back to, to Andy. It's like, is this almost in a weird way, like a good thing for the Bruins? Because look at last year. They they walk through the entire season, right? Crushed everybody. They're miles, miles ahead. I'm a big believer in like you have to have some adversity in a regular season to learn about what you do when things suck, right? right. Because in a play in a playoff series, if you're down three games to none or three to one, whatever, right? If you're down and you're not playing, like, do you even have that level to like, hey, we were just here, right? Like a month ago, like we know how to get ourselves out of never had that adversity last year. I almost I think it's almost like good for them in a way. Maybe that's like not what you'd say as a fan, but is it kind of like they're still a great team? And and yeah, they're yeah. third in the league. Like if they can somehow win that division still and avoid like playing Florida in a two three, yeah, chances against Detroit, Tampa, New Jersey, maybe even whoever else could sneak in there. Yeah, I like you said. I it could be a blessing in disguise. Um, I with back to last season, we cruise through the season, and I know I'm saying we as if I'm on the team, but <laughs> I, I'm yeah. They're playing like you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm the team refrigerator. <laughs> um, I uh, yeah, I think you know when you have a season like you had last year, and then you get to the playoffs, you're kind of going in there with your head held high and they got a little cocky, I think. So I think this is in a sense may not blessing in disguise, but it's a good opportunity for them to be humbled and realize, all right, we're in a rut now, but we know how to get ourselves out of this. How do we go about this? So come playoff time, we don't have to deal with this. Cause I'll tell you right now, if we end up playing Florida, who I also love, we're getting rinsed that series. Well, and I just want to say that all three of those top teams in the Atlantic, Toronto, Florida, and Boston, and even Tampa, if somehow they climb back into that race, none of those three teams, though, Boston, Florida, Toronto, none of them wants to play any of the other two in the first round. I mean, it's an inevitability that one of them, you know, you're probably going to have to play one of those teams at some point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, whoever's the two, three is going to have it tough because you're – going to have to play a really good team in the first round and then you'll likely have to play the division winner in the next round and it's it's not a good path i think all three of those teams badly want that first round wild card matchup uh because if i'm toronto florida or boston i don't want to play any of those other teams because that sounds terrible in a playoff series i'm with you and i i think boston's big boston's got several issues right now one we got to stop with the sloppy turnovers that that's just getting old at this point and it's been happening consistently since the all-star break firing over backhanded passes nobody's home you got charlie mcavoy chasing the puck up and down the ice left and right it's getting old i there's something going on here and like i mentioned in last week's episode i think it was there's like there's a chemistry issue there i think is what it is right now um and I don't know if that's due to Bergeron being gone is finally starting to take a toll on everybody 
or what's going on behind closed doors that we don't know about. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. on paper, this team is way better than they're playing right now. Fair enough. All right, so moving on here, Andrew, you are holding a hockey puck in your hand, but it's not just any hockey puck. You want to tell us a little bit about it? I certainly would. Um, so this is a puck from Zeno Pucks, and they make practice pucks for you to use off ice that have the same feel as a regular regulation hockey puck would on the ice. But you can use this on any surface. It's a regulation six-ounce puck. It looks, feels like a regular hockey puck. It shoots just like one. It handles like one. You can use it on any surface. I've done it on asphalt, concrete, carpet. It glides beautifully. I'm telling you, I don't know what kind of practice pucks you use, whether you're practicing or if you're just playing street hockey. This one tops them all. I'm telling you. You get rid of that green biscuit. This thing is durable as shit. I'm telling you, this thing is hard. I say looking at it, and I know we're not a video podcast right now, but looking at it, it looks, I mean, it looks like a hockey puck. It doesn't look any different from one you toss on the ice. Everything about it is it's it's real. Um, it's I don't know how they did it. I don't know what kind of technology they're using over here, but if you're trying to find the top of the line practice puck, stop looking because this is it right here, and you're not going to find one better than this. I promise you. I, whether you just want to practice your stick handling, you want to go out in the street, play a game of street hockey, or if you want to have a couple beers with the boys and fire clappers in the garage, I mean. That's this is one. it, man. There you go, I, Ben. You can get those to, you, to some of your kids and have them blow up the yeah. washing machine in their parents' basement. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get one for me. Those look sweet. It looks dude, like I'm telling you. Yeah, it's, they're incredible. And they're, uh, it looks like they're laser engraved, too, with the Xeno pucks on there. Um, they, and I'm telling you, like they fly off the post like a regular puck. Everything about it feels real. It is I can't say enough good things about this. Don't ever buy another practice puck ever I was again. Say, ben, we were me and Andrew on uh, FaceTime the other night, and he was showing me, and he was just sliding it on the carpet. And obviously, carpet has a little more friction than ice does, so it does slow down, but it glides on the carpet Damn. like it's ice. It was really weird to watch. Dude, it's absolutely insane. And if you want to check them out, you can check out their Instagram page, at Pucks. That's Zeno, X-E-N-O, Pucks. They got tons of videos on there. I think Pavel Barber actually did a video for them, too. Um, but check out their Instagram page. Check out their store, too. They got some merch. I just got some queued up. It's on the way to my house right now. Check these guys out, man. Give them a follow. Get a puck. I'm t- telling you, you're going to pay a little more for these than you will for a regulation hockey puck. But you can use this literally anywhere. Maybe don't use it on the ice. I don't know. I'm sure you could. I was going to say, if it's a hockey puck, I'm sure you could use it on the ice. Yeah, but this thing this thing will fly on the ice. So, so. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you're going to have to send one of those to your brother, too. Yeah, I, I highly recommend them. And I've been talking to them uh, for about the last week or two. They're just really good people over there. Uh, they started in 2004. They're a couple of South Florida boys. And, uh, you know, when you not live in Florida, yeah, I say not a... Not exactly a prime place to play hockey. Uh, I remember when I lived in Florida, the closest rink to me was an hour away in either direction. Jesus. So, um, yeah, not so. I mean, you got to compromise with, and so all they had was pavement to play on. So they had to figure out something that works. They got a really good following, and they do very well for themselves. Again, if you want to check it out, we'll. Oh, we lost Andrew. There. We'll have the link on our Instagram there and our is. Facebook. You can check it out. 
thought, thought we lost you there for a second, but it you didn't lose any of your words. It was just delayed, so we're good. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thanks for that, Andrew. Yeah, those that thing looks pretty legit. I mean, like I said, it looks like a regular puck, so I can't wait to get my hands on one. Um, we're going to move on here and talk about John Gibson, the goaltender for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, I just want to say, we, my wife and I watched the end of the L.A. and Anaheim game last night. John Gibson had 48 saves on 50 shots. Ooh. Unfortunately, it was a losing effort. Uh, L.A. won 3-2 to in a shootout. But uh, John Gibson, he's been mentioned this year in trade talks. Uh, he's a fantastic goalie. He's got an 899 save percentage this year, but he's also playing for the Ducks. Uh, the, he's very, very much capable of being a top-10 goalie in this league in the right on the right team. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see where he ends up because a lot of teams could use his services, and we're going to talk about a team later on that could really use him. But what do you guys think about John Gibson as a, just in general, and where do you think he would end up doing the best? Like, wh- what team do you think would best benefit from having him? Uh, ben, do you care if I go first for this? Go for it, man. All right. Uh, first thing, I want to say he's been playing out of his mind. Don't let his safe percentage fool you because, as Brian mentioned earlier, he plays for Anaheim. Just another super awesome California hockey team. To have basically a 900 save percentage on that team is is, is, is pretty still, damn good. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he's been playing exceptionally as of late, and I'm I'm sure we're gonna talk about this later. But I I I don't know that he will go here, but I think Colorado should try and pick him up. That's that's my opinion because they need goaltending bad yeah we're gonna talk about them later that was actually the team i was uh making an inference to but uh ben what are you thinking yeah when i think about john gibson and like just the state of goaltending over like the last five or ten years like how many guys are left that have just truly been proven for a long time Yeah. right like things change so much like this guy's been pretty much on a dust team for a long time and he's had i mean geez despite their defensive woes for like the last you know, five, 10 years, like he's put up pretty decent numbers and he's still capable of stealing games. I would love to see as a hockey fan and for him personally, just like get on a solid team. I'd love to see what this guy could do like in a playoff run. Right. Yeah. Um, As far as teams, like I'm just kind of looking again, I I think, I think he'd look good in LA. Um, We know New Jersey needs a goalie. I don't know. You know, you always have to talk contractually when it comes to this kind of stuff, but like those are two teams that, if they upgraded at the goaltending position, um, whew. yeah, I, I will think to your point about LA, I, I think, um, that they've seen some improvement overall since the firing of their, their head coach. Um, nothing drastic, but some improvement, improvement nonetheless. Um, but I, I, I'm with you on New Jersey. I think that'd be a good fit for him, you know, cap space permitting and everything. Yeah, I just for me and again, the, the John Gibson's been with Anaheim for a very long time. I mean, he was part of that tandem when they were really good in like the mid 2010s. Um, but that was when Freddie Anderson was their starting goalie, and that was like prime Freddie Anderson years. Those were some really good teams he was a part of. But they opted to keep Gibson over Anderson because he was younger and projected to be better. And you can make the argument he is. I mean, he's got a sub 900 save percentage, but again, plays on a very bad team. And how much of this is not even being on a bad team, but he's probably just got no motivation to play. I mean, obviously he wants to be on a good team, but he's on a team right now with no shot at the playoffs. It's been bad for the last few years. I mean, I think a trade to any of the teams you guys mentioned, I think 
LA would be a really good fit for him, but I don't know how willing Anaheim is to trade a, a star goalie to their biggest rival. I think that's the biggest obstacle there. I think New Jersey is an excellent fit too because, boy, they, they just need anybody that can stop the puck. I think if it gets too much worse, they might be giving me a call and tell me to put <laughs> some goalie pads on. Uh, and Colorado too. When, like I said, we'll talk about that at length in a little bit because Colorado badly needs a goalie, but – uh, I, I think getting him to a team where that just doesn't suck, I think that'll go a long way. And I think I'm surprised his name hasn't been a bigger one on the list. I know his stats haven't been great, but, you know, Saros's numbers haven't been outstanding either. Uh, and he's like the cream of the crop for goal, the goalie market right now. So uh, I just wanted to give John Gibson some love because he's a really good goalie. And I think if he ends up on a team like a New Jersey, I think that instantly puts any team he ends up on into a cup favorites conversation. Couldn't have said that any better myself. Yeah. I, I think he just needs to go to a contender. All right, let's move on here. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Wild real quick here. I really want to jump into this top line for them. We don't talk too much about the Wild because I don't want to just make this whole show about them because I feel like I could do a whole show about them. But I do want to give some love to their top line right now uh, of. Kirill Kaprizov, Jewel Eriksson, and Matt Boldy, who have just been unreal since that line's been formed. Uh, since uh, Coach Hines took over for the Wild, uh, Matt Boldy specifically, 22 goals, 17 assists for 39 points in 39 games. Uh, Matt Boldy, under their previous coach, Dean Evison, was struggling. He was playing the second line. He just really wasn't producing. He, was, he wasn't taking enough shots. He was just passing too much. Uh, under John Hines, the focus for him has really been to shoot the puck more, and he's just filling in the net. Uh, for Kaprizov and Eriksson Ek, they both picked up points in last night's game, uh, both on eight-game point streaks. Uh, Eriksson Ek specifically, 15 points in that stretch. Uh, he's been he's their top center. He's been killer on the faceoffs. Uh, he's their leading goal scorer this year, although Kirill's uh, hot on his heels to take that spot over. Um, but for the Wild, a team that's really tight in this playoff race ever since they – um, Coach Hines took over uh, to have these guys firing on all cylinders. I mean, they're the three best players up front. Um, I mean, what do you guys think of a team that finally looks like they figured it out offensively? And do you think they have enough in the tank to get to the playoffs? Uh, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I think, um, gosh, Minnesota, I, I always think like ahead to playoffs and it's like i feel like this is every year with them in some ways it's like they sure feels like it they they come up they go up or down up or down they have they have streaks they they always seem to find a way to like get in and then it's just it's a first round exit every year and i'm not knocking them because like i'm a jackets fan and like you know i'd love a i'd love just to be in the playoffs but (laughs) like i don't know it's like if if they get there could they do anything and like as maybe as a as a fan like for you brian like how do you think do you think that's like they need to just get in to like stay relevant and exciting or could they actually do something if given they the extreme salary cap situation they're in i think staying just getting into the playoffs is what the fans want we know we as a fan base have accepted our fate that until the end of next season when the contract mess is over with Suter and parisi we know it's going to be tough tough going but just to get into the playoffs would be nice the problem the wild have run into specifically the last two three seasons is that they they get hot and especially at the end of the year they get going the goal goal really great and then that falls off in the playoffs um flurry and gustafson both it just it seems like they run out of gas when it comes playoff time and for flurry i mean he's 39 years old i mean he's not young yeah. anymore 
Uh, but for Gustafson, there was really no warning signs of this coming. After his rough start to last season, from November onwards, he was second in the league in all the major goaltending stats like wins, save percentage, goals against average, uh, only to Linus Olmark, who had an incredible year last year. There was no warning signs that he was just going to fall off a cliff in the playoffs, and that's what happened. And the year before, Cam Talbot was kind of struggling a little bit. The Wild picked up Marc-Andre Fleury. He went on a run, and then it fell apart for them in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, I think this team will only ever go as far as the goaltending takes them, despite all of their offensive talent. They don't have the the juice like a Colorado or Florida has where you can just outscore your problems. And Florida really doesn't even have to outscore their problems because they get great goaltending. But for Minnesota, as much as it's fun to watch them offensively, they, until they get a, an elite goalie, and I know Marc-Andre Fleury is great and Gustafson has his stretches, but they need a guy who's consistently really good. And uh, until they get that, I think it's there's going to be a lot of first-round exits and hopefully eventually some second-round series, but I don't see them making that deep run until they can get that bona fide goaltender. They just don't have that offensive uh, lethality that a lot of teams have. Is that a word, lethality? Sounds right. Um, I don't know. I'm not an English major. I mean, as as a fan of the team, like I said, it's it's great to watch their offensive prowess. But I, I just want to know, as fans of other teams, what do you think when you see a team like this that's so gifted um, on the ice, but just doesn't seem to ever be able to put it together? Yeah, I, when I think of Minnesota this year, I I think of their like. Can is there any franchise that is feeling better about young players right now? Like I'm trying to think. Like there's a lot of guys that teams are critical of. Like New York's always talking about waiting on Kako and Lafreniere and all this stuff. And then like you have Minnesota, right at the top of the rookie scoring all year has yeah. been has been Faber and has been um, has been Rossi. Rossi yep. And, and right now they, now they got Boldy going. Too. And Boldy, he's, and 22. Only, yeah, he's 22. He scores every night. Like yeah, they got three guys that like my God, like they're top they're their top players in in some aspects or that you know they're studs. So it's like. That's that's great. Like I would I would love right now if like you know uh, Columbus had three like we have Fantilli but he's hurt. But it's like if if we had three players that were twenty early twenties and crushing it, that would just make me feel good. Yeah, that makes you think that maybe they can do something more. Well, and they can. And I mentioned the goaltending, and they have the number one goaltending prospect right now, Jesper Volstead. But they, and I still am so annoyed they did this. They call him up finally after all this time to make his NHL debut. And who do they debut him against? They do debut him against Dallas, who always kicks their ass. And they debut him <laughs> against Dallas in the midst of having Kaprizov and I think uh, Spurgeon and Brodine were all out. You have three of your best players injured, and you bring up this kid, and he just got shelled, and I just felt terrible for him. He's still a good goalie. It didn't make it, I don't, sure it didn't make his confidence waver. I don't, I think he understands that the wild were banged up and that Dallas is just really good. But I think that was a foolish decision. But again, they, in the future, they will only go as far as this kid takes him. If his skill translates into the NHL. Um, and just to talk about your point on Columbus, I mean, that's another team where they do have some bright young stars, but I think they really are hoping to get more out of Chinakov and Fantilli once he gets back and uh, Voronkov. And I, I really think Ken Johnson's ceiling is high. I think they'll be good in that department. But again, that's a team you want to see more out of. And that's what the Wild have had this year is they're getting a lot more out of Marco Rossi. He's really He stayed in Minnesota last summer instead of going home to train. He bulked up a little bit. He's a lot better on the faceoffs. He's better on the power play. He's scoring, obviously. Uh, Boldy's finally shooting the puck and scoring a lot. Faber is playing almost half an hour a night, and he's one of the best defensemen in the league as a 21-year-old, which blows my mind. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think they can get it going and it is exciting to watch. I just, it's frustrating to watch the same result every year. It's start off piss poor, get hot after the all-star break, lose the first round of the playoffs. Well, you'll, uh, you'll have that being a wild fan, but yeah, I think that's a Minnesota sports thing. It's just perennial disappointment. Well, and one thing I want to point out, too, with how they've been playing as of late, if you are someone who doesn't follow the Wild at all and you just kind of want to get a feel for it, go look at the highlights from last last night's game against the Kraken. Uh, as we record, it is Sunday the 25th. Um, I, don't, I don't know what you're saying, oh, God, for. I mean, they, they won 5-2. to no, two. it was, but Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I talk about piss-poor start to the season. Last night, 35 seconds in, second shot on goal from the point. Mark andre Fleury sees it seemingly the whole way and it just blows right by him uh and so they're they're losing instantly now their response to that was incredible i mean yes they filled in the net and their only other goal they gave up was you know halfway through the third and the game was pretty well decided at that point minnesota had most of the pressure despite that goal from seattle so um but again it's just the piss poor starts in the playoffs that's the kind of thing that kills you and that's what killed them last year was bad starts that series against Dallas, they won two games. They easily could have won two more if they could just get out to a better start and they just shoot themselves in the foot. And that's that's the biggest problem this team has always had, regardless of coaching or players. Is It seems like the last five, six years, they just always have really bad starts, especially in playoff games. So we'll see. I just wanted to get an outsider's perspective on this team, but I also wanted to show some love to the guys that are playing very well for them right now. So let's move on here. Um, last night was uh, Leafs forward Tyler Bertuzzi's birthday. Uh, he uh, celebrated uh, that by scoring a hat trick against the Colorado Avalanche. The Leafs themselves win seven in a row now. So I was kind of surprised to see this is their longest win streak since 2003, which really gives you an idea of how bad it's been in Toronto the last 20 years that a seven-game win streak is their longest. It's also kind of surprising given this group they've had with Matthews and Tavares and Nylander and Marner. Well, that's what's throwing me off. I that I never would have expected that given the lineup that they, they've had the last three, four years. That's kind of surprising. Um, as far as Bertuzzi goes, you know what I said last week. Yeah. Well, you know, I just thought it was I thought it was cool he scored a Hattie on his birthday. Yeah, uh, I no, don't know how is. people track this stuff, but also somebody tweeted out that Bertuzzi's the first player in Leafs history to score a hat trick on his birthday. Kind of weird, but kind of a cool stat given that the club's over 100 years old. It Bro, that's a LeBron James stat right yeah, there. Yeah, it is, it is kind of neat. But uh Ben, what do you think about the Leafs and um how they're playing now? I mean, obviously they're on fire right now. Um but what do you just think of that in that odd 7 in a row being their best win streak in 20 years? Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I hadn't heard that till just now, which is also surprising because when you talk Leafs, my first thought is always, okay, they're they're a regular season team, right? Like this last little while, they've they've had tremendous regular seasons, which is like, okay, it's like whatever, right? Like everyone, when you talk about the Leafs, it's always just like, well, what are they going to do in the playoffs? Like you don't you don't buy they they could finish first overall in the standings, and it's not going to excite anybody, right? Like yeah. Because they just be like, okay, well, yeah, we know they can they can kill it in the regular season. So when I hear seven games is like the longest, like, whoa, really? Because yeah. here you got the Rangers that are at ten. You have like other teams, like look at Edmonton this year, what they did. So it is kind of wild. And and also, I know we already talked about the Rangers, but I couldn't believe that that was their like longest or tied for longest or whatever it was. Like yeah, really, it's it's goofy. It's they, they wow. some weird stats given, especially given that they're like original six teams. You right, think there'd be some pedigree there. 
Um, but yeah, for the Leafs, I mean, I obviously the late 2000s and the 2010s were a rough stretch for the Leafs, but man, it's just weird that they couldn't put anything longer than that together. Yeah. yeah um, I agree with, like I said earlier, given the lineup they've had recently, it's surprising given the season they had last year, you know, they, they finally made it out of the first round of the playoffs. So I think looking forward for them, I think their future is starting to look brighter. Um, I mean, as far as playoffs go, like Ben mentioned, they are notoriously a regular season team and not really much more than that in years past. That's a team that could benefit from one of these big goalies like John Gibson. Oh, dude, if they get goaltending, look out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If they they get a good goalie, they're making a deep playoff run, no question. The problem Toronto has, of course, is is finances. They're so up against the cap with those big four guys on the contracts. But, man, that could be a dangerous team if they get hot at the right time. I mean, we just talked about Matthews last week, and he was on pace for, what, 71 goals, I think it was, when we talked last week. Now he's on pace for 75. I'm like, how has it gone up that much? But scoring a couple hat tricks, and uh, that'll pretty much do it. So, yeah, watch out for the Leafs if they get hot. Yeah. Um, Now, I mentioned the Leafs did beat the Colorado Avalanche last night, and before we go, I want to talk about the Avalanche. Um I don't know what to say because, you know, I mentioned earlier they outscore their problems and we talk about it a lot. They're they're very much capable of it. But since the All-Star break, they are 3-8. and eight. Uh, Alex Georgiev, who is second in the league in wins with, uh, I believe, 32 right now, uh, he is 34th in save percentage at 899. So save, 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 yeah, same save percentage. Wow, that's a mouthful. As John Gibson, um, the difference is that Gibson's on the second-to-last place team and uh, Georgiev's on one of the top teams in the league. And for Colorado, I mean, we've, we've mentioned it before, but when are they going to stop doing this dance and just go get a fucking goalie? That That's what I'm wondering. I mean, that's literally – that's not going to cure all of their problems, but that is – I mean, that's their number, yeah, their, their number one piece. Yeah, I would say their number one. Yeah, and like, like we've mentioned before, they can typically outscore their problems, but at some point you need a fucking save. And they're not getting that out of Georgiev. Um, like I've, I've mentioned in past episodes, I think the guy is just dog water this year. So there, there's good goalies on the market right now. They've got the opportunity with the trade deadline coming up. It's just a matter, a matter of his front office going to make anything happen or not. Yeah. What about you, Ben? What do you think? I think I think the front office, I think they're going to try to make something happen. I mean, they've showed every year that they're, they, they'll make moves, right? Um, I, I'm feeling this one extra hard because i got i got gorgiev on my fantasy two fantasy teams i'm in three leagues i got him on two of them so like so every so every every night right like i'm looking at the scores on my phone i'm like oh no like avs won again nice and then i wake up in the morning and i check my team and like i'm always losing in the goaltending category because his he his save percentage and goals against are shit every every single time so it's just it's it's crazy are being offset by his goals against yeah so he always wins which is great but like i'm losing my goaltending categories because like the guy's just not doing much and to your to your point a couple years ago i mean right they won the cup with um, darcy kemper Kemper, who was who was fine but but yeah he he was by no means you know and this is almost like speaking to kind of what's well, starting to be a trend, right? You have the abs that win and you have Vegas that wins with what you would consider like mid level, you know, mid to whatever level goaltending. So it's like, it's, it's amazing that, yeah, if they could get somebody that was just a little bit better, it's like, my God, they got the firepower and the defense to, 
to take the West, well, exactly. I'd say. Uh, forwards and defense, they're probably, if not the best team in the league, they're certainly near the top of that list. Um, and and that's what brings me to this point of needing a goalie. I'm like, this is where they always talk about when you trade to acquire something. When you trade to uh, address a weakness, sometimes it's hard to trade away a strength. But in this situation, when they have so many positions of strength, this is where you need to give up a little bit to get a goalie. Losing losing a defenseman or a good forward here to get a guy that can stop a fucking puck, I think would go a long way. I mean, I would say it's part of the reason they ran into issues against Seattle in the playoffs last year. I mean, they got bounced in round one against Seattle, who was on fire going into the playoffs, but was far a far worse team on paper than Colorado. There was no excuse for them to lose that. So I think to go out and get a guy like Saros or Gibson uh, could go a long way. And those are gonna, getting Saros from Nashville probably won't happen because Nashville, I think, knows they'd be crazy to trade an elite goalie within the division. But to go out and get anybody, it doesn't even have to be an elite guy. You can get a league average guy. If you get a guy that's got a 908 save percentage, that's probably enough to push him over the top again. Well, and I – did I cut you off, Ben? I'm sorry. No. Oh, okay. Uh, to add to your point, the first thing I want to say is I sh- sure as hell hope that Colorado doesn't go after Saros because yeah, okay. we're we're going to the Preds-Avs game this weekend in Nashville, and I don't want to see Saros in an Avalanche uniform. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, the one thing I did want to ask you guys was who do you see – who do you send? Who do you ship out of town in order to get a goalie? If you're Colorado, I was going to say that was my next question. And were you talking about Colorado, Ben? What are you kind of thinking? I was just thinking the same thing. I was looking at their roster actually, because when I think of Colorado, I, there's not like high prospects that jump to mind, right? Like guys who are kind of knocking on the door or maybe in and out of the lineup. Um, I'm looking at guys like on their their roster that maybe other teams would like, like a Ross Colton, maybe or Miles Wood, third line guys that um, have had success on other teams, play a hard playoff style game. But do you want to give up a, you know, still a third third line player? Um, that's the thing. So that's I mean, tough. And those guys can contribute too. Um, yeah. But that's the thing. I'm like to get a goalie like Saros or Gibson. I mean, you're gonna need to clear up some cap space. And I know, obviously, you're not trading away. You know, the big names like Makar or Taves on the back end. Um, you know, they Josh Manson makes the right amount of money where he could be traded away. But again, is that a guy you want to let go? And if you're the team on the other end of that trade, do you really want 32 year old Josh Manson if you're trying to rebuild or retool? I don't, not that he's a bad player, but I don't know that that's the right fit. I think Manson is right where he fits in Colorado. So Samuel Gerard. And again, Samuel Gerard, he's making five million bucks five a year. Million? That's the kind of guy. And, if I remember correctly, Samuel Gerard was actually injured during their cup run. So that's a piece where you can look at a guy and say, okay, hey, this guy, he wasn't even a part of our first round. We won without him. Can we move out mm-hmm. this money and bring in a goalie and get somebody that can? I mean, that's that's the thing you got to look at is, is, again, addressing that position of weakness by maybe losing a little bit of a strength. But, you know, how deep Colorado is on the back end. I think that may be something they can afford to do. Now, do they think they can? That's the other thing is do they think it's worth it for them? But you got to do something here. If if they stand pat at the deadline, to me, that's them just punting and saying, okay, we – unless they're that convinced that they can win uh, win with Georgiev, I, that to me would just be them punting and saying, yeah, we're not going to win it this year. Right. Yeah, I, I agree, and – I mean, maybe if they're just that dead set on Georgiev 
we'll turn it around or he'll the flame will ignite which isn't going to happen but maybe they're dead set on that you don't know yeah i just i don't know there's a lot and the other thing for colorado too is right now they are right against the cap ceiling they do not have any cap space and that includes the guys they have on LTIR and the player assistance program. They have Val Nachushkin and uh, Gabriel Landeskog on um, that are out right now, and that's Nachushkin's making six million, Landeskog's making seven, uh, and Pavel Francouz is on LTIR right now too. So they got like seventeen million dollars of, of salary. That's not even counting against them right now. And I know there's no salary cap in the playoffs, but. I mean, they're gonna have. They would have to give us something significant to get a goalie in there. But again, you don't even need to get a superstar. They they can go acquire anybody else. If I'm, uh, you know, if I'm uh, Chris McFarland, I'm calling. Honestly, I'm calling Boston to see if Linus Olmark's available. Uh, Boston has seemed to made it clear that Swayman's the guy they want going forward. He started to get a a larger workload there, and I think they know that's the one going forward. If I'm Chris McFarland, I'm calling Boston and saying, hey, can you? what do you want for Linus Olmark? Because that's a guy who's going to give you really good goaltending, and he's not absurdly expensive because he signed a sweetheart deal um, to, or what has turned into a sweetheart deal. What do you guys think about that? Uh, well, I as much as it would as suck an, as, as Brewer. As an unbiased Yes. Fan. As an unbiased fan, I think it's the right move, especially – as of late in Boston, Olmark's been a little inconsistent. Um, and Swayman, w- w- as you said, they've already made it clear Swayman is the future. And I don't disagree with that at all. He's looked a lot better in net this season than Olmark has. Um, I don't want to say Olmark's Vesna season was a fluke. Um, it, I don't think it was. But, but it was his ceiling for sure. It was a, yeah. it, was a, it was an outlier. Yeah, but that that being said, he's still a great goaltender. And I think any team would be lucky to have him. I think it's the right move. Um, Boston offensively and defense, they don't, despite their struggles right now, they don't need any major weapons right now. So I feel like it's a trade you could get done at a low cost. Well, for Boston, I think it would allow them to add some depth in there. I mean, again, I I mentioned Sam Girard. He's a nice young defenseman. I think you imagine how much a team like Boston benefits from a guy like that being added to the blue line. Allmark proved last year that in a, in a system that swallows you up defensively, he can do well, and that's what Colorado does. I actually think that's almost a better fit than a guy like Saros or you know who relies on his acrobatics. You, you Allmark's a good, structured, sound goalie. That's exactly what they need. They don't need um, this cardiac goaltending that uh, they've been getting. Right, and I mean that's not what Olmark's no known for. So I, I think it's a good opportunity as a Bruins fan. I don't think you want to see it happen, but completely unbiased. I think it's a good move. And like you said, or like I mentioned earlier, it's a deal you can get done at a rather low price. Yeah. I was going to add to that. Cause I agree. Like I think Olmark would be a great fit. My, my mind kind of goes to the, like, I think about the teams who would be dealing these guys and what they really want at the time, right? Because Boston is a, is a contender. Whereas I'm thinking, okay, if I'm Joe Sackick and I don't have a, a ton in the cupboards as far as like prospects or roster players to move, Colorado's still got their first round pick the next three years. Now, if you're a team at Colorado's stature, much like Tampa every year is just like, here, take our first round picks, Toronto, yeah. here, take our first round picks. What about moving a first round pick to a team that kind of knows where they're at, like Anaheim or like maybe Calgary, who everyone knows is maybe yeah. starting to admit that they're not. Yeah, I say Mark. You're right. On the way out. Mark Markstrom. Hello, like maybe Jacob Markstrom, who still has a year left after that. Colorado knows they're going to be relevant. So I, I almost see like 
like Andy earlier mentioning John Gibson or Jacob Markstrom maybe being a more um, realistic yeah, trade. Oh yeah, Olmark's up at the end of this year, isn't he? Yeah, he's a he's a. I think he's an RFA though. Which and again, I mean, if you can execute a sign and trade too, maybe you make something work there, but. Yeah, I, I think Markstrom actually would be a good one too because you know you know if you're Colorado, you know for sure this year and next year you're one of the best teams in the league. So to get a guy with, with term and not even have to think twice about the contract, actually I do think that is that is a, a better way to go about it. And you may not have to give up as much because I do think for Boston if they do trade Lena Solmark, and not to say that they will or that they're rumored to be, but if they do, I'm sure they're going to want to haul for him given his low cap hit. Um, even, despite him ending his contract being done at the end of the year, I think – um, they probably will ask for the moon and the stars for that. Probably. And I mean, you're going to break up the bromance that uh, Olmark and Swayman have too, that is known league wide. And I think, you know, if, for a Boston team that's already clearly having chemistry issues, I think that could negatively impact, that is true too. especially with Swayman. I mean, that is that goalie tandem. They're not just a goalie tandem. Those two are legitimately best friends. So, um, well, Mark does have one more year. I just want to throw that because I just he? checked. Okay. Yeah, he's got one, he's got 24 25, and then he's What's a UFA. His cap hit? Oh, he's a UFA. Okay. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, five million. Five million. And yeah, I'll t- you know who else makes five million? Sam Gerard on Calvary. Yeah, Gerard. yeah that's, even a, that's an even dollar for dollar <laughs> transaction. And you can throw in, you don't, it doesn't have to be a first round. You could even sweeten that deal for Boston with a, with a couple of later round draft picks if you wanted, if you wanted to go second, third, fourth round, any of those. Um, but dollar wise, there's nothing logistically challenging about that. Um, but it's, I mean, Colorado has options there. They have, again, they can trade one part of their strength to address their very obvious weakness. And I think, uh, I think if they have any real aspirations of winning the cup, that's exactly what they need to do. I think, I think it'll be a big letdown to that fan base if they stand pat at the deadline. Yeah, that's a. Uh... That's kind of a kick in the groin if they do. I mean, you you know you've got few problems. You know what they are. It, it should be no difficulty addressing those. I mean, they they get goaltending. It's much like Toronto. Look out. Yeah, and Toronto's is, Toronto's situation is a lot more complex. But it seems like Colorado has a few easy outs here. Yes, they need to find one of them and use it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So, all right. Anybody else have anything to say? Nothing here. All right. Well, Ben, I uh, I think I can speak for both of us when I say thank you for coming on the show with us. This was very fun, and uh, I, I have no doubts in my mind we'll have you back on in the future. Um, we better. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, now, now, now you're in, you have to come back. But, uh, it was really good to get a, a third point of view here, and uh, it was really not only a third point of view, but somebody whose life is so involved with hockey, given, again, your playing background and now your coach. And um, I think it was really a really – fun experience for us and i don't think we could have had a better first guest on so thank you so much for joining us yeah i appreciate that guys yeah this has been a lot of fun um yeah i just always love to talk hockey and uh it's good you know my wife's not a hockey fan so i I come home and you know i got a lot to say so it's it's nice to jump on with a couple of guys that that know the game at, at the level or even more than i do you guys both uh clearly very knowledgeable about hockey so respect and uh, again, just honored to be first guest. Yeah, yeah man. Well, if you, if you want to be on again, anytime you let us know, you know where to yeah. find us. So. I was going to yeah. say, you do not need an invite. Anytime you want to be on, we'll be happy to have you. I thoroughly enjoyed this. This has been my favorite episode we've done so yeah, far. This, this was really cool, I got to admit. Um, like I said, yeah, you got an awesome background, 
awesome knowledge base of the game. I, I think this is great. I think the listeners will appreciate it. Um, I do want to give you an opportunity because I know you have your own business outside of here, um, outside of hockey. And I, I just want to give you an opportunity to use this platform to plug it. Uh, I feel like I would be an ass move of me not to let you do so. <laughs> so uh, by all means, plug away. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, um, like, I think Brian mentioned earlier, I, I do some strength conditioning work with like some, some local area hockey teams and stuff. Cause that's obviously my passion, but, um, for a living, I'm a health fitness coach. Um, so I work with individuals, um, online and I've been doing that for about a decade. Started that when I was playing hockey at OU and just been doing it ever since. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I love, I have a lot of clients who are hockey fans. Cause obviously like when you're kind of in it in that world right like you kind of hit it off with people that um and then become clients for a long time that are that are hockey fans and i try to you know sometimes we get on the phone and we're like we realize we're talking hockey for like three quarters of it and i'm like oh shit like we got to talk about let's talk about workouts and stuff <laughs> yeah. too but um yeah so it's uh benpalacofitness.com is my website and uh instagram uh, slash ben Polacco, just first and last That's name p-a-l-o-c-k-o for those of you listening Yep. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, be happy to, uh, I mean, help anybody that's kind of struggling with, um, any health fitness efforts, weight loss, muscle gain, all that stuff. But (laughs) (laughs) But especially if you're a hockey fan, I mean, I mean, I love what I do, but if I can be working with somebody that also is passionate about the game, that makes it just all the more, uh, fun for me and hopefully, you know, enjoyable in return. I, I agree, man. And, uh, we will, post uh links to ben's social media in our post regarding this episode so you guys make sure you check go over to his profiles check him out uh he's got some good content on there as well um make sure that if you're not already following us on social media you do on facebook and instagram at fresh ice hockey podcast uh brian and myself and a couple of our buddies will be going to nashville at the end of this week for the nashville predators and Colorado Avalanche game. Uh, we'll be doing some stuff there, mostly on the street. We're looking forward to that, so we'll be on yeah, the lookout for that content. Video content. By the way, we've just spent all this time dumping on Colorado's goaltending, so yeah. what's going to happen is that press yeah. game is going to be 7 to nothing. Colorado, <laughs> and Georgiev's going to have a 60-save shutout or something. Yeah, and Saros <laughs> is going to get pulled after four goals. So, yeah, that, that'll be fun, and we'll, we'll have to eat our crow when the time comes, but we'll, we're just going to ignore that for now, and that's a later-on problem. Um, as far as everything else goes, uh, just a quick shout out to Buck-A-Puck for ALS. Uh, good people over there, as well as our sponsor over at Lighting's Property Management. And a thank you to Before Tomorrow for the intro music to our show and the Triple Jets for the outro music to our show. That's all we got for this week. We're looking forward to next week, and we'll see you guys then. Take care. Comb your hair. Have a great week. We'll see you in Nashville. <laughs>